Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Predetermined, a pro wrestling hangout. I'm your host, Garrett Callender, and with me, as always, a man who is CM Punk's neighbor, Derek Halpin. I think neighbor is a bit of a stretch. I live in the same neighborhood, technically, but it's not like we're on the same block. But lately, you've been running into the guy more and more. Yeah, honestly, I've tried not to bring it up on the podcast because I haven't wanted to come across as too much of a creep, but I noticed when I moved into the neighborhood back in 2012 that you know every now and then I would see Phil out and about in the Wicker Park area of Chicago, and uh, I don't know exactly where he lives, but I've seen him quite a few times while I've been uh, out. And then when he got into UFC, um, I haven't seen him around as much. Quite frankly, I don't know how many times I've seen him in the last three or four years. Maybe none. But uh, yeah, in the last couple weeks, I can report to everybody that uh, Punk is back in Chicago. AEW confirmed. Uh, <laughs> what <laughs> what has confirmed. stopped you from talking to him? Fear. Is he just one guy that you don't see yourself ever being able to approach? I think maybe in the right setting. Like, I think that if, if, we, if we had an opportunity to talk about the Blackhawks, then maybe. If we had an opportunity to talk about comic book stuff, then maybe. But I think, uh, I, at least in 50% of the times I saw him in the last couple of weeks, I was wearing our podcast shirt (laughs) (laughs) which has a wrestling ring on it and he was with his wife obviously uh aj lee and as i walked past i'm like god i hope he didn't see my shirt and if he did he probably thought fuck don't talk to me needless to say i did not talk to him um i don't know if it's at the point where he has recognized me like this guy i've seen this guy around a few times but uh Every time I see him, I, I, I have no intention of saying anything to me, or, or sorry, I have no intention of saying anything to him unless he says something to me, in which case I will engage him. <laughs> what situation do you think he's going to be like, hey, Derek, and you look and he's like, holy fuck, it's like, I'm a big fan of the show, man. And then he's like, just kidding, I hate wrestling. <laughs> I'm more concerned, see, my biggest fear is to be like, didn't I block your ass on Twitter for being a dick? And me being like, well, I thought you were being kind of a dick to Colt Cabana. That's why I said mean shit to you. That's why you think I'm a dick. Wait, are you also blocked by CM Punk? What do you mean? Has CM Punk blocked you on Twitter? Yeah, that was a a thing months back. I don't even remember that. I guess I lose track of who you've wronged in the pro wrestling community. Well, it's important to understand that as far as I know, other, like... Punk is currently the only wrestler who has me blocked now. Well, let's take care of that. And I think that if I continually ran into CM Punk, you would eventually give me shit for not approaching him or give me weekly shit until then. So I feel like for the sake of the podcast and for the sake of experiment, just so others know what it's like if you do approach him in public, maybe you should go say hi and just see what happens. I'm still too afraid to do it. He doesn't seem like a very approachable guy. And he's made it known that he doesn't want to be approached. Yeah, I mean, I'm giving you a task I don't want, but I also don't have access. <laughs> Though I did would find you? <laughs> no. If you were in my spot, would you willingly approach CM Punk? Walk up and just it- be like, hey man, I loved your run on Thor. Just tell him you like that <laughs> Thor comic and just see... 
Phil Brooks, author of Thor. So basically what we're getting out of the intro of this podcast is, yes, I do live near CM Punk, and I'm too afraid to approach him because he may realize that I'm a pro wrestling fan and treat me with, uh, I don't know, ire or disdain. I don't know if or you just want be me annoyed. I don't know if you want me saying this, but I, I'm gonna. Uh, Derek will occasionally be like, "God damn!" He's he'll, he'll send me a text that says "ran into Phil again" or "Punk again," and he'll send me like a paparazzi photo of CM Punk doing something. My favorite was the day that he was picking up his dry cleaning. <laughs> it's just I I feel like I think I'm paparazzi's a stretch. It's not. It's a far away photo of CM Punk on a cell phone holding like walking his dog. I've I've gotten a couple. I love this, Derek, and this is one of my favorite things. So please keep giving me Phil's updates. But uh yeah, I think for the sake of the show, next time you see him, just walk over. Don't even mention wrestling. Mention something else. Just see what happens. And what how would I begin that conversation? I told you, just tell him you liked his run on Thor. You haven't read it. It doesn't matter. I can't say anything about the Hawks. I can't be like, look, I know who you are. I'm not here to talk to you about that. I want to talk to you about our top line. (laughs) I think that's weirder. I think that's weirder if you're like, hey, I want to talk to you about hockey right now. And he'll be like, what the fuck out of everyone around? You want to do this with me? (laughs) Well, because I know you don't want to talk about the other thing, but here's the thing I know you do like. (laughs) By the way, are you going to double or nothing? And our goddamn music. That was a fun intro. Thanks for exposing me as something of a creep, I guess. I don't think it's that creepy. You're not seeking the man out. You're just walking around the same neighborhood. Like, you both go to the same Taco Bell cantina. I'm assuming Phil goes there. Uh, I don't think he goes there. You don't think he's ever gone there for a crunch wrap late at night? Uh, I doubt it. I know that I saw him rant on Twitter one time shortly after it opened. He was mad that they didn't open up a Tim Hortons in the neighborhood, neighborhood and he was mad that they had a boozy Taco Bell. <laughs> See, <laughs> he there specifically you go. said this. I, I think I think the I, one of the things I want to clarify, it's not like every time I, I see Phil out and about, I'm trying to snap a picture of him. And you make it seem like I do it weekly, but like I said, I haven't seen him in a long time. And I've only taken like maybe three pictures just to prove to people like, yeah, this motherfucker, I'm not crazy, is over here. I like uh, it. I like it. That's that's what you got to say, man, is you pass him next time. Be like, fuck Taco Bell Cantina. Tim Hortons all the way, buddy. And then maybe (laughs) maybe that I want those Tim bits. You know what I want? You know what I want, Garrett? What do you want, Derek? I want a better WWE. (laughs) (laughs) No, it choked us both up. Yeah, they, uh, so, okay, without just, I'm very excited. Derek and I usually don't text or really talk about pay-per-views and stuff until he now, and this was one of the first times in a while that we were kind of texting throughout, 
but we both we'll went... occasionally exchange messages during a show. We were pretty consistent on this one, and then we went radio silent during the last couple matches. And I'm so mm-hmm. happy we did because I am itching to talk about it, my friend. Well, I mean, we're currently recording this podcast while Monday Night Raw is airing, so we're, by the time you listen to this, there could be a bunch of stuff that's happened that makes you feel differently. Probably not, based on what we already know, but we are missing Raw and SmackDown uh, while recording this podcast, so keep that in mind as we go forward with our uh, compliments and our complaints. Yeah, Money in the Bank happened, and... There was some good stuff that you can take away from that show and some not so good stuff to take away from that show. And when you put it all together, I think as soon as that show ended, I don't think WWE is in a better place than they were before. What's crazy is before the first five, before the final five minutes, they were in a better place. I I wouldn't even go that far. Really? I, I, I really would. And, and I'll go on to explain why I think that. But where would you like to begin in talking about Money in the Bank? Would you like to talk about how great the women's Money in the Bank match was? Be full disclosure, Derek. I didn't know the show started at 7. I turned it on as Bailey was climbing that ladder. God damn it, you are an amateur. You have a phone that has internet. Look it up. I just assume, Derek. How do I know? Were, These shows aren't the you, same. Were you busy celebrating your St. Louis Blues going up 3-2 in the Stanley Cup Western Conference Finals? God damn, you know I was, my friend. You know I was losing my mind. And, I, you know, I just got to keep my head about me right now. Uh, I, I got to try and not be, if you remember in, uh, I, I was really shit talking the Sharks throughout that game. And at the end, I had to remember what Seth Rogen said in uh, This Is The End. <laughs> when James Franco thinks he's getting raptured and then gets killed. He's like, well, he, he was being a sore winner is what that was. <laughs> you're just mad about the previous game and you wanted to talk a little shit to feel better and i don't know if you're taking it out on the right people it was the refs that fucked you not the sharks i will say this though the nbc announcers are heel commentators and have never liked us can and- i just go on record i only hear this from blues fans i think you guys are full of shit and i'm wondering if your broadcasters when you listen to them all they do is suck off your team and then when you go watch other announcers you're like well how come they're not so nice Put that's this what way. i think's going on going into the second period they said we were winning one to zero and the three things they talked about during the intermission were not us they were about right. how good the other team was they lost five to zero, Derek. After the f- first, in- like going into the first intermission, and then the game ends five nothing. And you want to know why they weren't sucking you guys off? I want a little suck. <laughs> you know, like you can't I- just be you can't just be happy. You didn't even fucking remember that you were in the Western Conference Finals a few years ago. Maybe you don't deserve this. Did you ever think about that? Talk about wrestling, Derek. Don't piss me off. <laughs> in the words of Jeff Jarrett, don't piss me off. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> yeah, you should have started the show on time, but I digress. You got there in time to see Bailey have her, what would you call it? Her, her first really nice big moment. I guess winning the tag titles was a big moment, but I guess as a solo performer, this was her first big moment since winning the raw title. And then all of her momentum was kind of halted when Alexa Bliss beat the shit out of her with a kendo stick at Extreme Rules <laughs> a couple of years ago. Still so, my favorite match of the last five years. 
Bailey is born again. And I, I don't know. It felt right. It felt so right to have her win. It made sense. I was happy. Okay. But is this match like good job Bailey or is this match fuck you Sasha? I think it's both. I mean, but but I but I honestly, you know, I I haven't really thought about it that way. I I know that every time Sasha's name gets brought up, there's a negative response. But I don't know if I want that following Bailey around her whole career. I don't want that haunting her cuz that was Sasha's decision to leave and walk away. Bailey's still there. She may have her issues with with the company or whatever, but she's still there. And is this a reward for her sticking around? I don't know. But if Becky's going to be going over to Raw full time, Charlotte's going to need somebody to work with. Bailey's a good hand, and this brings her back up to that level. And uh, I don't know. I to me, it felt like the right decision. Oh, I agree with you, though. I do agree with you. It's just. Having not seen the match and just turning it on, my my immediate thought was, this is a way to show Sasha this could have been you. I could be wrong. That was the vibe I got. I'm still happy for Bailey. I love Bailey, and I'm ready for her to, you know, hopefully get a good run out of this, or at least and get a looked, cool storyline with with uh, Charlotte. Yeah, and it looked like Sasha was happy for Bailey on Twitter. So read into that what you will. But there were there were ways they could have gone with this. They could have given that spot to Nikki Cross since she was replacing Alexa. Um, I don't know. I I, I thought that Bailey was the right choice, and obviously it paid off later. As <laughs> we'll get into that. Uh, what else do you want to talk about? You want to talk Miz, Miz, and uh, Shane? Okay, there was a weird story going on through Money in the Bank that I don't know if this bled into Raw. Like, I mean, obviously we don't know if it bleeds into. The, this week's Raw, because it's Monday and we normally record on Wednesdays. But prior to this, had they been doing storylines about the refs fucking a finish over and over again? No, but I know I feel like it's common knowledge about what ref fucked the finish for the main event of WrestleMania and him getting fined. And I guess... <laughs> Do you remember when we were at... Uh... Starcast for all in and Cody was trying to go to we were at the botchamania thing and Cody was trying to say your refs are always right like you like the refs are the ones officiating the match I guess Vince put out the memo or gave, gave the advice that when their shoulders are down you count if their shoulders are not down you don't count and you put it on it's on the performer to get like the shoulder up or you know stay down so I don't know if this was just somebody <laughs> thinking too hard or auto-correcting but pretty sure that uh there's some shoddy refereeing going on lately okay with the Miz Shane match are they I guess I don't know it was a weird finish the match was fine prior to that but it did you're end... asking about you're asking about Shane getting his foot on the ropes correct yes correct this this happens all the time this happens, I feel like, at least once every three months in WWE, where there is a no disqualification match of some sort, and yet a, somebody gets out of a pinfall by getting their foot on the ropes. Except I, I don't, I don't know if there's ever been a time where they so blatantly like addressed it on commentary. Three times throughout the show, they had to be like, "I don't know, the ref fucked that." <laughs> <laughs> what a dipshit. 
You know, it, it felt like there was, but weren't there a couple different refs that ended up having shitty things happen? Weren't there, did it happen during Samoa Joe as well? Yeah, maybe, maybe during Samoa Joe, definitely during uh, uh, Becky's Late. match against Lacey Evans. I, I, I don't know. I know a bunch of people really wanted to see Miz go over in this match. I think people are kind of over the Shane Miz thing. I think people, I think actually a lot of people are even more over Shane being involved in storylines as a wrestler, period. What's your take on that? Do you feel like you have a roster that's way too loaded to be relying on Shane McMahon this much? Well, as he was coming in, I remember I started thinking to myself, wait, at what point did he become full time? Because I just realized it is, I don't remember. What happened where we just started seeing Shane McMahon every week and then started wondering, the fuck is Shane still here? I thought he was here to like fill in some places when we were, a bunch of guys were out hurt and he just sort of stuck around. Well, the story was after, um, God, after his match with Styles at Mania a couple of years ago, that Vince views Shane as a superstar that people care about and is paying him to stick around and perform at least a few matches a year. So, I mean, I mean, we can talk more about this later on because it's actually going to come full. This is going to come back when we talk about, you know, how the show ended too. So I guess I'm happy for Miz because Vince is looking at Miz as being in a big spot with Shane. Like he looks at, he looks at that as a big spot on the card. So it, Anytime I see somebody with Shane, I at least think, okay, Vince likes Miz too, at least. Right. So happy there. I was happy to see Miz show some intensity and get the chair and beat the shit out of Shane. That was fun. Do you like Babyface Miz? Um, <laughs> Babyface Miz takes more chances than heel Miz. But Did baby you like that fa- frog splash, Derek, <laughs> Derek. I'm, Would I'm, you say it's the worst splash you've ever seen? Yeah, dude flails. <laughs> he flails. No hesitation. He <laughs> and Miz, I love you to death, bud. And I know, like, you're trying some new things. Hit the performance center and try that frog splash a couple times before you got to do it in a on a pay per view. Because, goddamn, it's awkward. It's Garrett, I'll I'll go out on, on the limb and I'll say I am not a professional wrestler by any means. I'm not an athlete. I swear to God, I could hit a better frog splash than he hit. Yeah, like you know, I swear to God, you and I might kill the person under us because we know nothing of the landing, but I know what it's supposed to look like while I'm in the air. Well, I know that I'm supposed to make chest and stomach contact to chest to stomach. I'm not supposed to drive my knees and elbows into them, but I'm also going to make damn sure I'm not <laughs> like landing on my knees first and then kind of just falling on them. Uh, it was, it was, it was not a good splash. I've, I've seen some bad splashes. That's probably top of the list, but this just, match ends with Shane trying to escape and then Miz grabbing him by his Jersey and Shane slipping out of his Jersey and he wins. Is this the first time we've seen Shane McMahon's nipples? I think so. And I and the reason being I have witnesses who can vouch to this. I I said out loud when he hit the floor and he was shirtless, I said, "Wow, Shane's got a hairy chest. I wouldn't have expected him to have a ch- hairy chest." And then I corrected myself and I was like, "But I don't know why I would expect him to not have a hairy chest." 
I don't know. I didn't have any reason to think that Shane was a guy who shaved his chest and his abdomen. And yeah, so I'm going to assume I've always seen Shane in jerseys of some sort and never shirtless. Well, every for the last couple years, anytime he's in the jersey and he has to like lay on a table to get ready to take a hit. He's always fucking with it and pulling it down over his belly. Like he does like he's hiding something. He didn't want us to I, see him shirtless. I don't think he has anything to be ashamed of. No, I I agree. I mean, it was a great chest. I was just thought maybe <laughs> he has a weird tattoo or something and uh he didn't want his dad to see, but he he has apparently had that lasered off and is ready to be a shirt off wrestler. Were you surprised that they took the U.S. title off Samoa Joe and gave it to Mysterio in kind of a pretty quick match? The, the, it's a match fitting for what their first wrestle or their first match was. It went right. from 60 seconds to two minutes. Next time, maybe three. We'll see. Uh, how did Samoa Joe break his nose? Where did that I don't happen? Know. You and I had the exact same experience where I was watching the match, and I again, if I had known it was going to be so short, I probably would have paid a lot closer to attention to everything that was going to happen. But next thing, I, I'm watching and everything's fine. They're having their moment, and then Mysterio rolls him up, and they count the fall, and then when he pops back up, his face is bloody, and I'm like, when the fuck did that happen? And in the replay, when they showed it, you know, Mysterio went up on his shoulders like they were getting ready to do a power bomb. Right. And then he flips him over. When he went up, his nose was not bleeding. So he broke it somewhere in that, but I didn't see I don't know if it was when Mysterio like landed on him or what, but uh yeah. And then, you know so what is this? Is is Samoa Joe like the kid collector? He's just going around yelling at everybody's children that he's their new daddy? Is that That's his gimmick. He he goes after the kids. He's like Captain Hook. Next, he's like, hook. Randy Orton, I hear you got a couple stepkids. <laughs> uh, and Orton's like, you want me to show show you where they came from here? Shake my hand. <laughs> God. Uh, let's talk about, I want to get into this, because we got a couple positive things to talk about here. I thought that the Lacey Evans-Becky Lynch match was not very long. Um, I don't think it was bad. It seemed clunky at times. And Becky, this is this is where we talk about the referee spot. Becky, the match ends with Becky kind of getting put into a pin situation that the ref just, for whatever reason, refuses to count at all with Becky's shoulders down. And then she rolls over into the disarmor on Lacey, and Lacey taps out pretty quick. This obviously sets up, uh, you know, you're thinking, like, okay, cool, now Becky's going to go to the back. She's going to get some time to rest. Surprise! He'll move. Charlotte's there. She's ready to have her match now. And she's ready to take advantage of a winded Becky. What did you think about, like, at, the, at least up to this point in the story, like, like, <laughs> were you enjoying kind of the direction this was headed before they got to the finish of the Charlotte-Becky match? Yeah. I, I really liked the, you know, having them back-to-back. I thought that made it a lot more fun, and I didn't know... Honestly, what was going to happen? I felt like it would be shitty to have so many women on the roster and keep both belts on Becky just for right. the sake of the other ladies. But well, there was... are two touring brands, you know, so <laughs> it's the... nice to have one women's title on each brand touring. So, <laughs> And I don't know. I 
I've also thought, I'm like, you know what? If they had her retain two belts for another pay-per-view, that would just, you know, sink in even further that she is the man. You know, I watched, after the pay-per-view got off um, the air, I watched a review of it with the guys from WrestleTalk. I don't know if you ever watch any of those guys. They do good work. They were saying that if they, they kind of did this, they got the Becky two belts thing out of the way pretty quick because they would have done it where they had her one month at one pay-per-view to win the Raw title, the next month SmackDown title, and build to a show where they finally say, no, 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 at this show you're going to have to defend two. Well, they made her defend both belts up front, like basically right after Mania. And I'm assuming it's for the reasons we listed, which is they need to have you know, the two women's titles with their separate brands. Um, Lacey Evans interferes in the Charlotte Becky match and costs her the SmackDown title. Charlotte is now on what her ninth. Yeah. Women's title reign. Yep. So they get to send, obviously since Lacey costs her the title, now they have a built-in continuation to the feud over on raw with Becky and Lacey. Charlotte gets the title. However, she doesn't hold it very long because as Lacey Evans and Charlotte team up to attack Becky, crowd's chanting for Bailey to come out, and guess what? Bailey comes out. What can you? Why? What was it about this moment that made both of us so happy? Because I'm, as I'm sitting here talking to you about it now, we're talking about Bailey coming out and cashing in the briefcase on Charlotte. And winning the title. That is after Charlotte's held it for, what, two minutes? Yeah, I didn't know if I was expecting that, since especially last year with Money in the Bank, the women, uh, I guess Alexa Bliss cashed it in that night and won. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't think we were going to do that two years in a row, so it did actually catch me off guard. I figured it was going to be like a rollout and she runs away and it doesn't happen. Right. But, was there any part of you that thought she would grab Becky? And oh. throw her in the ring. Oh, the whole time I was perked up ready for a, a, a Bailey heel turn. I figured we were going to just get it all out of the way in one night. <laughs> <laughs> her, her triumphant return and then immediately turning into a heel. Yeah, I, I part of me didn't know which way this was going to go. I didn't know if she was going to go after Charlotte or go after Becky and hop back to Raw. Or if she was going to cash in on Charlotte, she ultimately cashed in on Charlotte. She won the title, ran around in the crowd. It was kind of an awesome moment. And like you said, I wasn't expecting them to do this two years in a row with the women's money in the bank. But here we are. It was a good moment. I texted you. I said that that whole thing was fun. From Bailey winning in the opening segment or the opening match to the back-to-back matches with Becky, ending with the cash-in. The women had a nice long block of time to call their own, and they owned it. And you could argue that it was maybe the best stuff on the show. Yeah, I really liked that this was the first pay-per-view since the all-women's pay-per-view that it felt like the ladies actually got enough time or got, you know, a substantial time on the card. Loved the shit out of that. I loved having the two matches back-to-back. I thought that made for a fun story. Yeah, overall, I thought as far as the women go on the show, nailed it. You were pretty excited to talk about Styles and Rollins. I don't know. I had mentioned to you months ago, looking forward to the possibility of Styles and Rollins, and you said like you really didn't care. And then you text me right right as the match is getting ready to start, and you're like, I'm suddenly really excited for this. It just what changed as it was getting ready to happen. It just I felt like I was in for a good match. 
I know that I was hoping for that in his uh, his series with Nakamura, but it just seems like Seth Rollins is out there trying to work harder. It seemed like he was going to make sure they had a good match. You know, I think he wants to prove that he's a good champion, and I was hoping we were going to get, you know, a very memorable match out of the two, and I have no fucking idea. I've, I Even after seeing the replay, how Styles turned a curb stomp <laughs> into a Styles clash. Well, he dodged, grabbed his leg, picked him up kind of in a powerbomb position, threw him down, hooked the legs, and hit it. And I won't say it was the prettiest style clash, but it was the most incredible counter into a styles clash that you just didn't... I don't know how you do that. You're right. It was, I don't even know how you discuss that beforehand and be like, okay, so here's what I was thinking. <laughs> I mean, the only other time we'd seen that move really reversed was when Orton did it to, to Seth and popped him up in the air and caught him in that RKO. And it turns yeah. out that's just a really fun move to watch be reversed. Yeah, absolutely. But overall, loved the shit out of this one. I don't know what else I really need to say. Match of the night, as uh, far as pure matches go? As far as a pure match goes, I thought that was match of the night. Probably the most fun I had watching a match. I did enjoy the shit out of the men's ladder match. Yeah, me too. Me too. I mean, I even... Derek, you're not going to hear me say this a lot. I loved Randy Orton in this match. <laughs> what about Orton did you love in this match? Well, it was him and Drew McIntyre versus a bunch of little guys. So they were really... <laughs> so they were being bullies. So the match starts and Orton just powders. And he sets up camp right in front of the announcer's table. And he's decided that his role in this match at the beginning is to catch every small man that comes near him and just throw him back first onto the announcer's table. <laughs> he did it like that's what he's known for at this point. <laughs> he's like, you thought I got the Singh brothers high. Let's see how high I throw Finn Balor in the air. And Let's Ricochet. And, and Ricochet. And <laughs> <laughs> and just every time he was interacting with the indie guys, I was having so much fun. By the end of that, I was at a point where I'm like, you know what? If Randy wins this, I'm not mad about it. <laughs> <laughs> what changed? Was what? it just because you, when when you see a guy own what he is, that makes you like him? I think so. Like, he wasn't trying to do any. Like, he's like, no, you guys are going to flip off this shit. I'm going to stand over here and kick your ass when you're done. Because what you're doing is unnecessary. You know what I do? I fucking throw you on the announce table. Same thing. Except I didn't have to flip off of anything. What the fuck was Finn Balor thinking in this match, Derek? What the fuck was he thinking? His back is not the same today as it was yesterday. He took a bump from everyone on that ladder. And God damn it, Baron Corbin got to give him the most... Just, oh, it was nasty. No, was the nasty. one that got me was the one from Andrade. The flip over power bomb, The sunset flip onto yeah. the ladder? Yes. God. Because he... the ladder gave out under when Andrade landed on it, and he had to like hit that thing at an angle. Uh, and it bounced him like a basketball in the air. It was... Yep. God. Yep. The little guys showed up. Ali looked great. Ricochet was awesome. It was just they these guys put in so much work to make this one of the best money in the bank ladder matches I can remember from the last several years. What happened next? 
Okay, so Mustafa Ali climbs up, has the case in his hands, and uh, some real loud violin music hits. Or is that what the beginning of that song is? What is the... Basically, Brock Lesnar's music hits. And <laughs> You're trying to describe the noises at the beginning of Brock Lesnar's music, and you say violin? Well, I don't, isn't it just like... <laughs> isn't there like a screech sound before guitars hit? Well, most people will associate the violin with Nakamura. But, yeah. You know. But either way, just so Brock you know. Brock Lesnar's music. <laughs> Brock Lesnar has already been removed from my mind. He's gone. I didn't even remember what his entrance music was. Like, he was gone. So when that music hits, I thought, who the fuck? And then when I see him running there, I'm pretty sure that I was just looking confused. And I started questioning, like, am I high right now? What is happening? <laughs> and, it's, and it's like, yeah, I am. But, like, this is still happening. What the fuck? I guess it's important to note that the storyline throughout the night was that Sami Zayn had replaced Braun Strowman in the men's match, but earlier in the night he had been attacked by a mystery opponent, and Triple H assumed it was Braun Strowman, so Braun Strowman was asked to leave the building, and it wasn't Braun. They're insinuating it was Brock. <laughs> because Braun still got a ticket to the, uh, like a plane ticket, and flew. Where were they last night? Were they in Hartford, Connecticut? They were, oh, yeah, they were in Hartford. So he flew to Hartford. He got there, went to a building he wasn't supposed to be in, gets caught, and then's like, it wasn't me. I said, then I'm like, what the fuck are you doing here? Then go home. And he's like, okay, geez. He leaves. And <laughs> turns out Brock Lesnar crucified Sami Zayn upside down, I assume, unless tonight we find out it actually was Aleister Black and that yeah. whatever the fuck. <laughs> I honestly, so, I started laughing. I started when laughing. You, when you heard, when you saw Brock? Yeah, because... It was like, what can you do besides laugh? Because it was so WWE. It was just like, I didn't, I, I still can't really wrap my head around why that happened. I mean, I know why it happened. Cause what was it last week that he took his MMA drug test without the results ever being released? He announced his retirement, which to me says, you know, Brock has some uh, dirty urine with some extra Again. things in it. And he's like, well, I guess I'll just go back here. And they're like, sure, win the fucking ladder match. All these little guys killed themselves to give me the best match I've ever seen. Mustafa Ali has to stand up there way too long while a sound cue is late. And Brock Lesnar runs at a million miles an hour, throws a ladder on top of a cameraman. Yeah. And I loved when he sat at the top, though, and laughed and said, I'm back. I was like, you fucking heel. <laughs> Oh, Derek, boy, what do you think? Problems. I've I've been waiting patiently to hear what you thought about this. What was your reaction? What happened to your face? What came out of your mouth when you were sitting there watching that with Chris? I was stunned. I mean, I shouldn't have been. I, I they 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 suck you in. You think that they're going to start pushing and establishing new guys, giving them opportunities, and the name of the game for WWE the last five years. And this is really the only thing you really have to talk about when you talk about what the issues are. They haven't been beyond Roman Reigns, which they have gone full bore on. Not so much since he's been back from, uh, you know, recovering from leukemia. But before that, he was really the only guy they were fully behind at all times. Other than that, there have been so many opportunities for them to use a spot to elevate a guy, to give a guy a big win, to try to make somebody a star. We're talking about 
God, how many different, I, I just posted a list the other day. Like they had, they brought Goldberg back and had him in Kevin Owens, uh, universal title run. They had Brock end the streak. I mean, I could just, I could probably, if I just sat here, I could come up with like 10, 15 moments that could have gone to somebody else and helped put them over the edge and make them into a star. And they just always give that spot to a veteran. And this was a match loaded with guys that they could have really used that money in the bank briefcase to be an interesting character on television for months. Never mind the fact that the briefcase is an amazing storyline tool for anyone. <laughs> that, that's that's the part that sucks. It's 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 a fantastic tool that you can stretch out over a year. You can ch- and it, it, every night, every night there's a possibility that this briefcase will come into play. It's great television. It was a fantastic idea. It's not supposed to be the number one contenders briefcase. They hand out title opportunities like it's nobody's business. There was a pay-per-view just two months ago at Fastlane where you went into the pay-per-view and you had no idea that by the end of the night, Mustafa Ali was going to be fighting for the WWE Championship. And yet, it happened. What in the fuck? <laughs> I mean, that and he, Okay, so here's the other story that, that needs to be talked about. Did you hear the report about the meeting that they had backstage before the show? That they, like, actually said AEW by name for the first time to them? Yes, and said that they are a direct competition and that we are in a competition for people's attention with video games, their phones, uh, streaming services. Like, we're, we have to, like, address getting the attention of all these different people and taking it away from whatever it is they're trying to, you know, focus their attention on. And they're less than a week away from AEW opening with Double or Nothing. And they close money in the bank by going back to the same well they've been going back to for four or five years, which is, hey, I think people care about Brock Lesnar, except I don't know any wrestling fans that care about Brock Lesnar. (laughs) It kind of feels like they don't want us to watch. Yeah. But But the thing is, it depends on who you talk to. I think... I think the people who are the worst pro wrestling fans right now are Brock love Brock Lesnar. <laughs> I'll, I mean, I'll go out on a limb and say it. I'm talking like 40, 50 year old guys who pop in every now and then to bitch about how small the wrestlers are now and how Hogan's three moves, you know, 30 years ago were the shit. And those people look at Brock Lesnar and go, he's big, he's legit. And Look, just look at him. I mean, they they have the, the, the Vince McMahon mentality Look at all that down. beef. Right? But oh. you don't see anybody who's like a fan of modern day pro wrestling, which is basically all that's left. That's 90% of the market. Nobody's sitting there gushing over Lesnar. And why are they complaining about their inability to make stars when they don't give these kind of opportunities to guys that could become stars? So what I'm assuming is happening as we speak while Raw is going on, I have to assume that this was all to set up for Super Showdown to get Brock Lesnar back to do a match in Saudi Arabia. 
I think they Maybe. threw away. I mean, the entire show, they're showing commercials for Super Showdown, and they kept saying, this is bigger than WrestleMania. Like, I, it really feels like they threw away money in the bank to get Brock Lesnar to come back and do another match. I mean, maybe they have him lose and he fucks off. But either way, they still did it. And there's gonna, I, he's going to be in Saudi Arabia. Which they could have just done as a WrestleMania rematch. If they wanted to do Lesnar and Rollins, I guess I saw the opening to Raw. So I know that Kofi and Seth Rollins were in the ring with Lesnar. And I know that they were having a moment where Lesnar was treating the Money in the Bank briefcase like a boombox on his shoulder and he was bobbing his head. And the threat was that he could cash in on them at any time and that they were performing later. And I, so again, we're recording this on a Monday evening while raw is going on. I don't know how the show is going to end. I don't know what this has to, I, I don't understand why super showdown is such a fucking priority. I'm kind of annoyed by these overseas shows now <laughs> at the point. If that's, if that's where we're at, if we have to use the money in the bank briefcase, which is a fantastic storyline tool for months on end, to essentially just be like, well, we need to give this guy something as an excuse so he can have a match. It's Brock fucking Lesnar. If you really want to do the old timers world tour over there in Saudi Arabia, by all means, have your Goldberg versus Undertaker fucking have Triple H versus Giant Gonzalez or whoever the fuck you want to put these guys in a match in over there so that people in Saudi Arabia can feel like they're watching a WrestleMania level show. But for the love of fuck, leave the money in the bank briefcase alone because there is no, here's the thing. There is no good outcome for this now because either he cashes in the briefcase and he wins and he has the title again and nobody's happy. And again, the program is held hostage as Seth Rollins has said, or he cashes in the briefcase and it doesn't work. And then you just wasted the briefcase like they did with Strowman last year. Hey, he doesn't have to take it away from Seth. He could take it away from Kofi and piss off he uh, could. everyone. He could. He could very well do that. And there's been a lot of people who think that Brock is going to end up on SmackDown when they move to Fox this coming fall. Well, so, he'll, he'll, you know, or we could do this. You know, people are saying WWE has too many titles right now. I mean, tonight on Monday Night Raw, they're supposed to be debuting a new one. Maybe we can do this. Maybe, you know, he didn't earn the money in the bank briefcase anyway. What if he, does it say anywhere that he can't cash in in a triple threat and win everybody's belts so that he's Brock two belts? Because there Becky been, had two belts. There have been rumors that that's actually going to happen. Just oh so my God. Know. Oh my God. Yeah. Get both belts on him so that neither belt are on either show very often. I don't give a shit anymore. Do whatever you want over there. Fuck you. Well, I'm just going to let you know that. I mean, if this ends with Brock being WWE champion and universal champion, there's going to be a lot of pissed off people. And Vince is just going to continue to be confused as to why people are turning over to AE, tuning into AEW then. And uh, I don't know. I just, I guess we're just going to leave off Kofi and, and, and Owens and then Reigns and Elias. Yeah. I thought, I thought there was stuff to take away from those segments, but uh, we've gone almost 45 minutes into this yeah. podcast talking about money in the bank, but... And hey, fuck money in the bank. You went to a show this weekend. I did. I went to Freelance Wrestling Battle Royale at Logan Square Auditorium. And I had a good time. I went with my roommate, Chris. And it's been a while since I've been to a freelance show. So had a free night. 
paid my general admission and to get in and honestly there's not a bad place in that entire room and you've been there before so you know what was the crowd like how are they doing do they sell pretty well there it was a i wouldn't say it was a sellout crowd but there was quite a few people on hand and uh i had a good time the show started around nine and i don't think i got home until like one thirty. i want to say oh damn so it was, it was a, late. You got a good long show. I did. I it went it went past midnight. I can tell you that. Um, Any... there were a bunch of good matches on here. Uh, we had the the show opened with a women's fatal four way match with Jody Threat versus Shaza McKenzie, Solo Darling and Lainey Luck, and uh, these ladies killed it. I'm a big fan of Lainey Luck now. She comes out to the ring in a uh, unicorn mascot helmet mask and uh yeah she ended up winning or got to here's the the most important story to take away from this entire freelance experience i got to finally see and uh have interaction with our boy craig mitchell you sent me a video it really seemed like the crowd still loving the shit out of craig mitchell up there craig mitchell is super over here in chicago Lots of Craig fans, lots of Craig chants. Craig was defending the Freelance Underground Championship against GPA on this night. And I can tell you that when we were hanging out before the show started, I saw Craig up on the balcony talking with some of the other guys. And I pointed at him, and he pointed back. And, uh, yeah, looked like a friend, looked like a friendly dude. <laughs> Got quite the... <laughs> um, What's GPA's a... deal? I'm not familiar with that guy. He's a pretentious, like, like his whole thing is that he's a scholarly type, you know, smarter than you, smug piece of shit. He's just been feuding with Kylie Ray for a really long time. And, uh, yeah, Craig came out to a huge pop. I sent you the video of his entrance. Wasn't expecting him to find me in the in the uh, audience as he was up on the ring apron getting ready to get in the ring, but he did. Pointed, he had a big smile on his face. I cheered like crazy for Craig. Unfortunately, this was not Craig's night. GPA fucked him out of the title, used that belt as a weapon multiple times, and uh, Craig lost the Freelance Underground Championship. Do you think Craig looks sad. at you as his bad luck charm? See, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if Craig's going to want me to come to any more of his shows. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's predetermined, Garrett. It wasn't like, you know, I was the reason he lost. Maybe you were. Maybe the Booker's like, fuck that guy. Maybe the Booker saw my interaction with him before the show and said, you know what, Craig's going down tonight. Fuck that guy. Were there any other standouts on the show? Like anybody that you hadn't seen prior that you're like, this dude you got to check out or this lady you got to check out? I will say that uh, the the show was called Battle Royale. That was the final match of the night. And I'll get the negative out of the way earlier um, or early, I guess, which is that the Battle Royale that closed the show kind of drug out really long uh the interval and it was like a royal rumble not everyone started in the ring they did like the intervals a new person would come out and the intervals were not evenly timed so sometimes it'd be like 30 seconds after a guy came out somebody else would come out sometimes it felt like five minutes <laughs> um and that was nuts um all ego ethan page fought ricky shane page who's oh. a you know deathmatch king his that's his bro right no, not no. <laughs> you they, they're not related. No, they're not. And you could just tell that by looking at them. 
Hey, I mean, you made me watch that Von Erich thing, and some of the Von Erichs don't look uh, like other Von Erichs. <laughs> well, some of the Von Erichs weren't even Von Erichs. So. Yeah, so was that Lance Von Page? I don't know. I do know that Ethan Page, doesn't he, isn't he basically like on every indie show ever? It feels like it, and I don't, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I love seeing Ethan Page, so anytime that's, he shows up... I'm saying up, that's I'm, a great thing. I'm saying yeah. he's out there making towns and working. Guy cuts a killer promo, but he he beats pretty he beats Ricky Shane Page pretty easily. I, I mean, I'm not saying it was a bad match. I'm saying like it was a it was a match where it was never in doubt. And he grabs the mic after the match and says, "You want to know why this match wasn't the main event? Is because nobody believed that you could beat me for this title." And he basically runs down Ricky P- Shane Page and says he's a piece of shit and that his career's abounded to nothing. Well, Ricky Shane Page is the one that ends up winning that battle royal at the end of the night, so he gets another shot. At Ethan Page down the road. Uh, I would say one of the matches of the night was definitely the fatal four-way match for the World Tag Team Championships between the Workhorsemen, the Hooligans, the Ugly Ducklings, and the Jim Nasty Boys. This was fun. Lots of good spots in here. This one lasted a while. A lot of stuff took place on the outside of the ring. Lots of high spots. I think the Workhorsemen ended up walking out with the tag titles again. Uh, they retained them, I should say. And uh, got to see another indie regular, which is Eric Cannon. Have you seen Eric Cannon? We just watched him last week on the family reunion show. And I'm I actually, I've never seen him in person. And I actually okay. last week uh, while I was watching family reunion made a note like, like this guy. Like I, and I forgot to talk about him last time. And I was happy when you posted that picture that would get a chance to bring him up. Yeah, he wrestled like a luchador called Ophidian. Eric's kind of a regular. He's been wrestling in this area for like four or five years at the least. Um, I saw him at the last freelance show I went to, or and my and my first freelance show. Um, Eric's a regular. Uh, this was a good show. I had fun. Um, I again, I can't say enough good things about going to see shows at Logan Square Auditorium. It's a great atmosphere in there, and. Uh, yeah. What's, what was general admission? What's that, like 20 bucks for the show you went to? 20 bucks to get in general admission. You're just as close as the people who are, like, it's basically two rows of chairs and then the GA standing room. So you're, 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 you're as close to the ring as you need to be. So if you're in the area, we've got Freelance, we've got AEW, we've got Warrior Wrestling. The Chicagoland area has plenty of pro wrestling on the, on the independent circuit just for you. Get out there. The guys at Freelance do a good job. And I don't know. I had a lot of fun at the show. Um, I'm going to keep trying to go to more as I get opportunities to. I want to go back to another AAW show sometime soon as well. So, yeah, I got out there. I had fun. And then I was really, really tired because I got home super late. I'm hoping that when we uh, when they have all in, too, that maybe Freelance runs a show that weekend, because I would love to check one of those out while I'm up there. Yeah, you absolutely should. You absolutely should. I had you finally get caught up at least a little bit with the Dark Side of the Ring series. Um, there's still, I think, a couple you still haven't watched. Uh, but the one with uh, Gino Hernandez and the one with the Fabulous Moolah. I've I've watched those, and that's pretty much, I think, the end of the series. Um, unless there's another one coming out. I don't know. But uh, you happened to finally get caught up and watch the Dark Side of the Ring documentary on Viceland about the Von Erics. Thoughts? 
I watched that directly before we record before we started recording and that is not the right mood you need to get into if i've seen seemed sad at all um it's because i've witnessed a lot of death in my day in the last four in the 45 minutes leading up to this jesus christ derek like i knew that there was a lot of death in the von eric family i didn't know the details to a lot of it good fucking lord i was gonna say how much because the von erics are a name that come up a lot in pro wrestling history, you hear about them. You hear about the Freebirds. I like. Were, did you feel like you were informed about the Von Erichs going into this documentary? Or do you feel like you learned most of what you now know from this show? I mean, I knew what I knew about the the wrestling part, but I didn't know about you know bringing in the other brothers essentially as replace. Like basically, as one dies, another one steps in. Yeah, and it, that's so fucked up. <laughs> that's so fucked up, and just the. The line of deaths. I'm sorry, I'm stuck on death. It's going to be really hard to talk about wrestling because this was barely about wrestling. It definitely, I mean, if if the goal of the the documentary was to show you how much tragedy the Von Erichs faced, yeah, a uh, lot of unfortunate circumstances between, you know, drug overdoses and suicides and... Electrocution? Electrocution, that's where it, it basically started. And it caused the downward spiral. And that family was dedicated to wrestling. And now that what we're down to one, one of the original Von Eric brothers, Kevin, living in Hawaii, telling the story. And he's raising his family there. And it sounds like there's an interest in that family to get into the pro wrestling business. How come we haven't heard anything about this? Well, apparently him and his kids had a fucking match. They said that he just retired in 2017. Right. What the fuck? And it showed, How is this not on anybody's radar? I don't know. Well, they said it was... Where did they say? It was in, like, Tel Aviv or somewhere like that? Yeah. I, man. The one that fucked me up the most uh, of the deaths was probably... What was his name? Mike? The brother that was, like, kind of scrawny and, like, just wasn't as, as uh, athletically gifted as the rest of them? Yeah, the one that took it really hard that he couldn't fill the shoes of his other brother. And then he, what, dislocates his shoulder, goes to the hospital, gets surgery, gets staph infection from it. They're trying to basically get him back in the ring a lot sooner than they should. And during that press conference, he looked like a fucking corpse, Derek. Yeah. That was probably the worst part to watch for me is just how fucked up that guy looked. And basically the crowd just didn't really care. He wasn't the favorite. He was... It sounded like he was having, like, pretty mediocre matches with Ric Flair and, you know, some of the bigger names. And just, I felt terrible for that guy. Yeah. He had shoes to fill that he was literally never going to be able to. And based on, like, what, also, loved seeing Meltzer's office. Where it's just papers and bullshit everywhere. Like, where I'm sitting right now, I finally got a desk and a podcast set up for this. But there is just good for you. There is. Yeah, I'm not standing anymore. The last two episodes, this is the first time in the last like eight that I haven't been standing. (laughs) So sitting in a chair, (laughs) feeling good. But uh, yeah, my room right now kind of looks a lot like the Meltzes. A lot of shit, a lot of shit on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) Did it make you feel better? Uh, I thought like me and Dave have something to talk about how neither of us seem very tidy. He's probably got pages from wrestling observers from like 20 years ago in a stack, like five feet from his desk. That's not containing shit. 
that's your takeaway from from the dark side <laughs> of the ring is I got to see Dave Melter's shitty office. Yeah. I mean, you can't tell me you didn't see that office and think, I'd like to rummage around in there for an hour. I was just surprised that he let them show it. <laughs> like, come on in. Look at my look at where I do my work. You didn't have to tidy up on our account. Fuck you, I did tidy up. Uh, see this walkway? So- this wasn't here before. <laughs> I, you know, honest to God, you, they they draw every with this Dark Side of the Ring series on Viceland. If you guys haven't seen it, check it out. I don't know how you, I don't, does that, do most people have Viceland Garrett? I doubt it. Um, I, but you know what you do? I said this last time, you know, a lot of us, we don't have cable. Find your parents cable password, put it on, go to the Viceland.com website, log in using your parents cable password. And that's how you see it. That's what I did. Well, that's one way I go about going about doing whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Not everyone's that privileged. I will say. That um, I'm a little disappointed because I haven't heard anything about us getting any erotic fan fiction. Yeah, no one seems to be wanting to write about us fucking. That's fair. I I yeah. wouldn't want to write about us fucking, but no one really even responded to it. So, oh, one thing that has been pushed on us though is uh, Jeffy has really been pushing a movement trying to get Scott Steiner to be my new dad. I think your dad does a fine job being your dad. Yeah, but <laughs> for whatever reason, Jeffy has decided that Scott Steiner needs to be my dad. And, you know, if Scott's willing to have a catch with me, I will drive to wherever he is and have that catch. Uh, I can already tell you this. He's going to throw the ball way too hard. It's going to hurt my hand through the glove. And he will not love me. And uh, he might make me try and take over the Shonies. So you're going on record and saying that you are willing to go drive wherever you need to to have a father-son moment with the big bad booty daddy? Oh, I hope I don't have to call him that, but yeah. I mean, that he's your daddy. <laughs> so you got to you got to call him the big bad booty daddy. If you Fruitzilla, make me the ultimate see You don't want to say you don't want to say hey to see him punk on the street. I don't no. want to have to look Scott Steiner through his sunglasses and call him daddy. No, I wouldn't want to either. If if I have the the if I have the opportunity to avoid wrestlers that I'm afraid of, I'm going to take that at you know, every turn. But I don't know why Jeffy wants this for you. Does he want Are our listeners turning on you? I mean, we yeah. know how Lowell feels. <laughs> I think everybody's starting to uh to realize that that I'm the heel here and treat me as such. We got to do a double turn here sometime soon. That's true. They'll never see it coming. <laughs> Can I tell you something really fun that I forgot to mention about the freelance show? Yeah. Do you remember this past summer? Like, like God, how many is like 10 months it's been when I went to that uh, baseball game uh, to meet Scott Hall. And then there was like a local indie promotion doing a show there. And I saw some not so great pro wrestling, but pro wrestling nonetheless. Do you remember that, Garrett? I do remember that. Oh no, who'd you see, Garrett? Do you remember uh, any specific wrestlers that I put over from that show? No. (laughs) (laughs) You don't remember? You don't remember Hunk Cassidy, the Chief of Beef? Oh my God, maybe Garrett. Garrett, the Chief of Beef was in the Battle Royal on Friday. And he was super fucking over. 
that crowd was so mad when he got eliminated out of that battle royal. I swear to God, 10 minutes later, a chief of beef chant broke out from the crowd, despite the fact that he had been gone for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Were you involved in the chief of beef? No, he just has the it factor, Garrett. No, I'm saying, did you chant along with everybody? Were you like, I mean, I did, but I didn't start it. (laughs) (laughs) I chanted Craig a whole bunch. I chanted chief of beef. Frank the Clown was there being a fucking asshole. I had so much fun at that show, I'm realizing. (laughs) I need to go back. That's one of the fun things about the wrestling shows, is is you go back and just start saying things about it. You realize, fuck, I wish I was there again right now. How are we going to be able to plug people giving us reviews and five-star ratings to end this show? Be, Be creative, Garrett. Come up with something fun. Wait, aren't we going to talk about... I have to bring up AEW. I mean, double or nothing's this weekend and I'm going. Nobody cares about that show. Did you see that awesome WWE pay-per-view yesterday? <laughs> well, what's funny is before <laughs> before that happened at the WWE pay-per-view, the big news out of AEW was that Hangman Page versus Pac wasn't happening anymore. Right. But did what's you hear... What's the story with that? Okay, so did Get you hear updated, what happened? Because I don't know what's going on. Okay, so Pac is, this would have been over the weekend. He was in, uh, they were, I don't remember, they're somewhere in England at a show, and whoever his opponent was was supposedly late. Then Hangman Page's music hit at this small indie show. And from what I am told, this is actually, they announced today, so as you're listening to this, this came out on Tuesday, and it is available. Those two had their double or nothing match at an indie show in a small town in England. And from all the reports I'm hearing, it was fucking awesome. Like, they full-on had that match that they were supposed to have. Why didn't they have it at Double or Nothing, then? So, what they're saying is that Pac had to drop out due to creative differences. And my immediate thought is, ah, this guy sounds like an asshole. It makes me think he's doing to them what he did to WWE. What it sounds like is he has been... What did they say? He's had the Dragon Gate belt for 20 months. Or something like that. And he's undefeated there. And it sounds like it was probably more along the lines of Dragon Gate didn't want him to lose. I don't really think... Because obviously there's no bad blood because they still had the match and are airing it on AEW's YouTube. But it sounds like Dragon Gate wasn't cool with their champ losing because they've got a story they're working on themselves. That would look bad if he lost. But is Pac part of AEW? Um, I guess after that show, what I'm understanding, I guess, you know, by the time this is out, we've already all seen the match. But what I was told is that at the end of the match, he basically said, I only wanted to be in AEW to fight this man. I've done it. We're done. I'm not in AEW. Is he out of his fucking mind? I think he's got loyalty to Dragon Gate. I mean, that's where he started. That's where he went after WWE. And, I mean, if the guy's digging what he's doing down there, fuck it. Let him. He seems happy. I get it. I get giving him a pat on the back for the loyalty thing. Most people don't know what the fuck Dragon Gate is. I mean, he he can be as loyal. I mean, I I, I don't know. Whatever. I'm not going to get worked up about it. 
but I don't know. It's 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 crazy to me to show that kind of loyalty to Dragon Gate when there's a revolution going on that's going to be broadcast on TNT this coming fall. I mean, I, again, kudos, but still facing Hangman at the inaugural pay-per-view for a new promotion that's going to catch fire seems like a weird decision to make. But uh, to I mean, each I, their own, I guess. So I what's, what's Hangman doing now? So uh, the initial reports were that whatever is going to happen, he's still going to have his match and that whatever they're replacing it with is going to be a bigger match than this was. So that, you know, they might have to, I don't know. I mean, is, does he fight John Moxley? Does he have, do they pull somebody out of the battle Royal to fight him? I don't know. It's honestly, at this point, the t- you know, the tickets have been bought. The venues sold out. Everyone's going to be there. This was a big draw for this show, but I think whatever they put in its place is going to be fine. Like I was disappointed, but I don't think this is a reason to be down on AEW yet. It's a little reason to be down. (laughs) Like if they're already having issues getting talent to agree to, because wasn't one of the big selling points with AEW that some of these guys are going to be able to work other places too. I guess when there's a title involved in another promotion, maybe that gets messy. I don't know. It it obviously gets fucking messy <laughs> when a guy comes back and says, "Hey, that match that you really were promoting for this big show that you're doing, eh, it's off." I know it's like a week and a half away, but fuck it. What are you gonna do? Like they're going to run into the logistic. Pro- See, this is the thing. Say what you will about WWE, but they're really big on getting exclusivity rights if they're gonna push you and put you on their show. They don't have these issues, and if the Bucks and Cody and Khan all think that it's like. They're not gonna. They're not gonna. Some for magical reasons, they're not gonna run into those issues. That seems a little naive because they're already running into those issues. Again, maybe it'll be fine. I think the show you're gonna see is gonna be fine. I don't think it's ultimately gonna be the issue, but they did put a lot of time and and build into this match for a show. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm excited that we still get to see it. I'm sad I don't get to be there for it. I'm happy yeah. that you know. To me, the fact that they did the match at all shows that, you know, they're on good terms. I'm assuming Pac went over then. I don't know the end. I just know that after the match was over, he attacked Hangman with chairs. What a dick. So we'll, we'll see tomorrow when it comes out. Maybe you'll get Hangman versus Enzo and Cass. You never know. It's, uh, it's a brand new company. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I, in addition to going to Double or Nothing, I did go ahead and get a ticket to Suburban Fight Pro, so I am going to a late night, you know, a late night death match somewhere in Vegas, but in between, I'm going to go record an episode with the Curtain Jerks. Hey! So I'm going to hang out with those guys. Best was podcast. Yeah, I'm excited to yeah. see those guys. And then, Sunday morning, before I this leave Las Vegas... Part. This, so is when, the, this is the part that I think people need to know the steal that you got on this opportunity. I had no plans of going to StarCast this year. Maybe I'm bitter that we don't get to be a part of it. I don't know. <laughs> I'm a little bitter. <laughs> I'm a little bitter. But they were having a flash sale, and it was like 30 minutes only, flash sale, everything half off. And when this had been announced, they were having something called Joey Janela's Spring Breakfast. 
<laughs> and it was going to be some of the GCW guys, and you could pay $40 and go eat a breakfast buffet with them. And when this was, ha- at first I was like, ah, I don't know, that's kind of steep, 40 bucks. Once it came down to 20 and I realized that my breakfast is included in that $20, and that means I can eat breakfast with Nicholas Gage and Joey Janela. I knew there was no way I wasn't going to spend that $20. So Sunday morning, I have to wake up early to get to the MGM Grand to go eat breakfast with Joey Janela and Nick Gage. Absolutely worth the trip to Vegas on its own. Oh, if this is all I was going for, I'd say that's fucking awesome. And you know what I've decided to do Friday night? Because <laughs> I don't have anything. I'm there Thursday and Friday with nothing to do. Uh, I think Friday night I'm going to go see Pitbull, Derek. God damn it, Garrett. Hey, what am I going to do? Just sit around and not go to a show? He's got a Vegas show. What's Mr. Worldwide doing, Derek? I'll let you know next week's episode. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hope you have a good trip. I hope you have fun. I hope you have good stories to tell us next week. Thanks for working around my schedule. Experience the death in the family. That's why we're recording this podcast a little earlier than we normally do. But, uh, yeah, you've been been good. You've been good to me. Hey, you... Are you talking to them or me? I'm talking to you. You've been good to me. I love you. Hey, see this moment we're having, guys? Write a moment like this, a really tender moment where we're saying something nice to each other, but then maybe our penises come out. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) We're still pushing that erotic fan fiction. Actually, just any kind of fan fiction at all would be fantastic. Actually, any kind of review at all on iTunes would be amazing. Give us the five star. Give us the five stars. Give us the review. Tell us what you like about the show. Recommend something for us to watch, and we'll watch it. Talk about it on the podcast. Garrett, we have social media. What's our social media stuff so they can, you know, talk to us about wrestling and other things. Talk about other erotic fan fiction that they're into. Maybe it's Harry Potter. Maybe it's Game of Thrones. We're at Predetermined Podcast on Instagram. We're at Wrestle Hangout on Facebook and Twitter. I am at Gartet on social media. Derek is at Halloween Halpin. Uh, hey, real quick before we get out of here, uh, we a while back had said to take suggestions for something to do an audio commentary on, and Noah suggested that we should go back since it's you know been about a year at this point and rewatch All In and do a commentary and just see how the show holds up. I think that's a great idea. I like that idea too. I would love to do that. We'll work on that. We'll work on that, we'll and I we'll make that happen. And before we go, this is the last thing. One, John Wick 3. Holy fuck. Get out there and watch those John Wick movies, guys. Don't fuck around and miss it. They're too much fun. Also, before we go, this is important to me. I don't argue about movies anymore. That's my past life. But I am willing to pick my battles, and this is a battle I've chosen, Derek. Rob Pattinson was cast as Batman. You know Twilight Rob Pattinson? Mm Mm-hmm. I fucking love Rob Pattinson, Derek, and people are being too hard on him. Last last several years, the guy's been making really good indie movies. I think he's one movie away from being like the next like Brad Pitt or Matt Damon. You guys need to hop on the Pattinson train because you're going to bitch about it, and then it's going to be awesome, and I'm going to be standing there telling I told you so. You looking for an endorsement from me? No, I figured you would fight me on this, and uh, I'm okay with that because it is Rob Pattinson, and I'm defending the Twilight guy, but fuck you guys. He's awesome. You know what? Here's what I will say. I will go to bat for you in this sense. When Heath Ledger was cast as the Joker, I was super skeptical, and look at how wrong we all were. I'm just saying, 
Give Rob Pattinson a chance. Guys, go out there, watch the movie Good Times. It's on Amazon Prime. You'll change your mind about Rob. You'll come back and thank me. Hey, Derek, let's get the fuck out of here. Hit her goddamn music. Music.